if you're a team lead or a manager or working, just know that we are going to probably be at a reduced capacity uh, for, for some time now because w there are problems when you don't set that boundary and you say, well, I only got four hours done. It's six o'clock. I'll make some up now from six to 10 p.m. But that is not good self-care and that's not sending good boundaries. And so things happen. And we just need to be okay with the fact that we have other responsibilities. We're living with other people. Um, society's shutting down. And that's okay for the short term. Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. Do not underestimate the power of the independent open cloud for developers. Yes, I'm talking about Linode. Linode is our cloud of choice and it's the home of changelog.com. What we love most about Linode is their independence and their commitment to open cloud. Open cloud means being unencumbered by outside investment and maximizing value for the community, not shareholders. And that's exactly what Linode represents. No vendor lock-in, open at every layer. If you want to learn more, head to linode.com slash open. Again, linode.com slash open. Go time. Welcome to Go Time, your source for diverse discussions from around the Go community. If this is your first listen, be sure to subscribe at changelog.com slash go time or your favorite podcast directory. Listen live at changelog.com slash live. Request an episode at changelog.com slash request and follow us on Twitter. We're at GoTimeFM. Okay, here we go. and welcome to Go Time. I'm Matt Raya. Today we're talking about working from home or remote working. Uh, we're going to have some hopefully reassurances for people who are new to working at home. There'll be some tips and tricks for people that do it already, some interesting tidbits that you might be able to apply in your own lives, and hopefully it'll just be a lovely entertaining chat. That's the goal. Uh, joining me today, we have, you can hear him sniggering already, it's Mark Bates. Hello, mate. Uh, you mate. How you doing? Good. How's it going? Uh, you know, I think we're, everybody's hunkering down over here. Family's doing all right and trying to stave off cabin fever. How about you, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Similar, similar. We're also joined by Carmen Ando. Hello, Carmen. Hello. Welcome back. How's Thank it going? Thank you. It's going well. I am every, in the same boat as everyone else. I am in day one of that homeschool life, that remote work life, that remote gym life and everything else so yeah well we'll we'll definitely like to hear more about that on today's episode and we're also joined by it's only john calhoun hello john hey matt how are you i'm good sir and yourself good yeah so far it's uh work as normal for me it seems like mm, because you already work at home i already work at home and i'm in a small town so it's pretty easy to get out and like exercise and that sort of stuff without running into people Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So I think what we're going to find is we're all kind of in slightly different situations. Um, and, and in some cases, very different, probably. But it's just certainly like of all the people that are now working at home, our job, I feel like we ought to be able to do this quite well. How do you feel about that? 
I'll open that out to everyone. I think as an industry, you know, we tend to do better at this. We've been doing this a lot longer, I think, for the majority of us. But I think having everybody else at home now makes a handful of other challenges. Mm. Um, but it would, we can definitely talk about that later, I think. But So you've gone from being a home worker who's at your home office on your own all day to now being lots of other people being around that that's right. the change for you right yeah that's <laughs> yeah. interesting for me my you know i had a quiet empty house all day i had my schedule i you know did lunch on my time i took breaks when i that were convenient to me and you know and now it's everything from you know i got to make sure to feed the kids to i can't turn my music up because i will you know my upset my wife, you know, because she's on a conference call and just, you know, lots going mm. on now. It's a very different world at home for me anyway. And you're not a natural sharer, are you? So No, <laughs> I'm is, not. I'm not very uh, giving. Yeah. <laughs> so Carmen, are, what about you? Do you normally go in an office? Do you? I go into New York City every third week. So I do two weeks at home. I'm in upstate New York. And then I, I try to get into the Go Team New York City office for one week, Monday through Friday. So my it's like an interesting hybrid where I'm a commuter and an office goer one week and then home every day the next two weeks. So, mm. it's, But before that, when I was with Travis CI, I was 100% remote for four years. And then in the startup before that, 100% remote. So I've been a remote worker for about five plus years now or hybrid. Mm, yeah. See, I've been home working five, about five or six years. It's been 10 for me. Wow. What about you, wow. John? I think it's seven or eight for me. Mm, okay. So we've been doing it quite a while then. And obviously we've been successful at doing it. It's varying stages. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not going to say it was 10 years of wonderful working from home lifestyle. Right. Oh boy, no. <laughs> First couple of years are just hard to get everything right. Mm, yeah. Trial and error. It's also easy to slip into depressions, but we can talk about that too a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about John's thing too. Just the getting into the schedule. <laughs> yeah. So what were the challenges, John? I think some of the things that make it harder, just learning, like when you're in an office, you have like all these things that sort of set the tone of you're going to work and like, you know, like people talk about getting dressed and not wearing PJs or they talk about a million other things with routines that sort of like set that tone that you're starting to work. And when you start working from home, you just don't realize that you're losing all that. So it's really easy to not realize that you're, I don't know, like not training your brain to go into work mode. Um, it's easy to like let random tasks eat up your time one example is like you'll be asked to take the kids to the doctor and then that'll lead to well i need to go to the pharmacy now to get some medicine and then all of a sudden while you're at the pharmacy you're gonna pick up some groceries and then after you get the groceries it's like well i might as well whip something up for dinner because they can't take these meds on an empty stomach and before mm. you know it your entire day is gone and you're like yep. what happened that's a hundred percent accurate yeah I, I know matt you don't have kids so much Yes. So those sorts of daily so tips. Well, yes, that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm assuming Carmen definitely relates to that because I 100% I do. It's, you know, whenever a kid is sick, mm. I get called. Whenever there's a dentist appointment, a doctor's appointment, an after school event, orchestra, every Tuesday. I haven't been on the podcast um, this much uh, this school year because it directly conflicts with me having to drive my son to orchestra once a week. Right. Right. So it's. Do you work on Kubernetes or? Yes. yes. Not orchestrator, orchestra. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can only imagine my surprise when I found out. <laughs> 
because of your flexibility, you become like the default doer of uh, random tasks. Yeah, I think we could all agree with that. Wouldn't you? John yeah. Carmen, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And my wife, you know, and I'm sure that your spouses as well are very supportive and totally understand. But like my wife works downtown Boston, where I always joke she has a real job. Like she goes into an <laughs> office daily. She has a staff. Like she can't be coming home to, you know, to pick up a sick kid from school if I'm five minute drive away. Right. Right. That, that's an unrealistic expectation to ask of her. So it's just stuff that you end up having to internalize in your work from home lifestyle and figure out those blocks and just make it work. It's also hard because other people who don't work from home, I feel like just assume that you are free, even though you're not. <laughs> like there've been so many times where people are like, oh, it's <laughs> nice because you can do these things. And I'm like, well, I still have to work. Like I can't, yeah. like I'm still working. I'm just at home when I'm doing it. I can't just yeah. run around mowing the lawn and you know planting a garden and doing all these things. I'm like, I still have to get work done. I've been doing this for 10 years. My mother called me two weeks ago on a Friday in the morning. Can you come over and help dad change out all the plugs and switches in the kitchen today? (laughs) No, I can't come over and do electrical work for several hours on a Friday. I get stuff to do. Why do they want to change all of the switches? Because they're retired and have nothing else to do, but that's getting off the subject entirely. (laughs) They didn't like the color of the switches. It's a whole thing. That's fair enough. Well, now with COVID-19, I don't think that anyone is going to have these assumptions that since we're all in the same boat, (laughs) many of us are working from home, we won't be saying you're not just doing anything or just come on over. So that will help at least temporarily. Yeah, for those working from, yeah, we're working home now because we we don't have the schools, you know, there's no school, there's no sports, there's no... You know, like somebody asked me, well, when are you free this week to have a call? And I was like, literally any time between <laughs> yeah. now and mid-April. Just yeah. throw something on my calendar. I am so wide open right now. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. So those, I don't think will affect us. But we still got to make lunch for kids. We still, you know, this everybody, we all have stuff to do. It's all going to be different. We all have to add yeah. it into our days. I think that's what John's point is. Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm thinking about for this episode is thinking about working from home, but also thinking about working from home in this new coronavirus context, right? Because right. they're two separate things. Me working from home while having my kids go full time to a school <laughs> and my husband going to his job and, you know, activities, shuttling d- different people around is very different from everyone sheltering in place, which is as of March right. 17th, which is the air date of the show, is the reality for many people in California and Europe and increasingly on the Eastern Seaboard. And Massachusetts has been shut down for Few oh, days now. okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So, can I ask, Carmen, are you also in the situation where when you work from home, you're generally the only person there? Yes. So, I get wonderful deep work time. Once <laughs> the kids would go to school and, the, and husband would go to job, which was around 8 45 in the morning, I had, you know, other, if it didn't have meetings, I had real silence and an opportunity to do some deep work, which is essential for pr- productivity. Okay. So I think one of the things that's interesting for me is that my wife and my daughter have pretty much always been around. And I know that for a while, one of the things that we struggled with was sort of social cue, like basically communicating that I'm working or when I am working versus when I'm not. (laughs) Um, And like one simple example of this is if I would walk, like I have an office, so like I have a space that I work in and she knows, okay, he's in there, he's working. But for the longest time I didn't. And it'd be really hard to communicate like, 
are you just going to the bathroom? Are you just making lunch? Or like, are you able to sit down with me and talk while you're having lunch? Or is this a, you know, bring it back to your desk, you're still in work mode type thing. And there were a lot of different things like that that took a while to sort of, you know, get down or figure out some system that worked for the two of us. And I think a lot of people are going to struggle with that now that, you know, they're both around the house because in an office, like it's really easy to be like, okay, he's clearly at work. I don't want to ask him this simple question, but when he's just in the other room, it's easy to walk in and be like, can you do this or can you answer this question? And that can be really distracting when trying to work. And I think that's something that, you know, I've been lucky enough to figure out already, but it's going to be hard now that everybody else has, you know, everybody in the house. Yeah. Yeah, because it's important that sort of blocks of uninterrupted time are kind of really vital for productivity. I mean, for me, that's definitely the case. I'm used, if I've got 30 minutes time, I can't really usually start anything. You know what I mean? So 30 yeah. minutes kind of isn't enough time to even do anything. Yeah. That's why I started writing blog posts actually was to fill the little gaps in between time, you know, when I found like I had little bits of time that I could try and use. But yeah, it's so important having uninterrupted time. And I used to think that working at home was going to be impossible or difficult because of all the distractions at home. But I, like you, John, I've kind of got into a situation where uh, I've, I've figured out a routine that works and a situation that works. Um, and actually now being in an office is way more distracting for me. Oh, yeah. Mm. If I go on site with a client, it's, yeah, it's I can't believe how noisy and distracting and, yeah, you know. You must get used to it. But it is strange going back into it. You find ways to tune stuff out. Yeah. yeah. But so to John's point, so I could tell you some things that we've done here that have helped us. One is, you know, we're fortunate enough that we were able to carve out two spaces. Mm. I already had my own office in the house and we had a guest room. So we were able to make my wife her own office, which is super awesome because she's on the phone all day. Mm. Um, she's on calls all day and you know whatever. So she keeps her door shut. When her door is shut, that means do not interrupt. I am working. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, um, I keep generally keep my door open because my dog likes to come and go. <laughs> um, but the kids are pretty good at they know if I'm in my office, I'm working. Uh, and if the door is shut, that means I'm on a call. Don't come in. Uh, and then the other thing we do is we have, you know, headphones. Headphones are another cue that we, and we both have ear pods or a variant of them. And if you see one of us walking around the house, usually her, because again, she's using a lot of calls. If they're in, then it's like, okay, don't bother them. They're they're working or they're clearly not in an open eared environment. You know, they're not ready to listen. Uh, and then texting, we still text just like we used to, <laughs> even yeah. though we're one room over, it's still like, you know, Hey, what time you're finishing up tonight or, you know, any thoughts on dinner yet? And it's, you know, just so we, we don't interrupt those flows and keep that async, just like she was in Boston and I was at home. It's funny because we do the same thing. She'll be upstairs texting me and people are like, really? And I'm like, this is the easiest way to communicate asynchronously without it. Like, it's like I'm in an office and it works. Yeah. Yeah. When I had children that were smaller, so we didn't have a space that I could carve out on my own. And we can talk a little bit about making sure that you have a psychic space that is just Mm. for work and try your best not to make it on your bed because that there is that psychological benefit. If it is a corner. So for me, it was a corner of a shared space Um, and they were little. And what I used was a silly headband with like two, it was like (laughs) for Halloween, like a ladybug headband. And I remember if mommy was wearing that, you can't, (laughs) <laughs> you know, because this is the tips and tricks for people who have maybe small children in the house. Mm, that's great. 
Amazon or other online merchants have like a red do not disturb and when that's on or a green. And I know that this is some people that have done that for the office space. As they got older, headphones is the clear signal. My kids, when they come into this, this room and they see that I have headphones on, they'll always leave me alone and they only come if it's like really like I have to go or there's an emergency so that was always negotiated over the last five or six years and they're older now and it's better but yeah Yeah, headphones is a good one headphones works in an office too that used to be the way you would tell people you're focusing right it really worked and then of course to get around it someone invented slack and now (laughs) it doesn't matter if you've got headphones on or not they can get you but yeah, headphones and, and those sorts of clues are good. And I suppose it's just that sort of communication with the people around you of, yeah. make, you know, set, set up the rules, think about it, talk about it and yeah. agree it, you know, that's probably is quite important. Right. I think it's also worth, like Carmen said, picking a space that is your workspace, because mm. part of it is that psychological telling yourself you're going to work mode. And for me, it was even to the point that, like, I don't like using the same desk for playing video games as I do for working. Um, I don't even, it's one of the reasons why I don't run a Windows operating system for anything work-related is because that's, if I'm playing games, I'm in Windows, I'm like, it kind of transitions my brain Mm. and it's just an easy way of like me being mentally aware of what I'm doing. And even when I was in a space where I couldn't actually set up an office, instead of having something on my head, I set up like a little drop cloth curtain that went around my desk. And anything you can do to sort of isolate yourself or just make it clear like, this is where I'm closed off at helps a lot. And it also just sort of helps your brain transition yep. into that. But I think it's also useful to have like routines that help you sort of move into that work mode. Because I know yeah. that, I mean, we talked about this maybe a little bit before we went on air, but a lot of people are no longer going to have to get up in the morning, shower and dress and go to work. Like that's not part of the routine. So I think you're going to need to come up with similar routines that help you again, move into that mental transition yep. of getting ready for work. In terms of the space, the spatial ritual of this is my work space, this is the time for me to think about work. I remember having a colleague, Travis, who they had their dining room table that sat only four. And when they worked, they would sit in one chair, but that was the chair that they would sit in only for work. And when they ate, they sat in a different chair. That was kind of the mental ritual that they had to be able, as John said, to separate work from non-work when they had to use the very same exact space so it's things like that that you should think about and that way you don't get burnt out and you don't start blurring the days and you have a clear separation of work versus home stuff yeah don't sit on your sofa with your laptop or on your bed like don't sit in your favorite chair anything like that like find a different place the other end of the dining room table is another suggestion that I was going to say, yeah. The other, I found that just being, trying to make a point of being at my quote unquote desk, wherever that space may be, by somewhere between nine and 10, let's say. So I usually try to get like my, you know, my toast and my coffee and I'll sit down at my desk somewhere between nine and 10, depending on, you know, what's going on that morning and sit down and then start kind of going through my emails and stuff. Even if I hadn't showered and stuff yet, at least it, it helps get me in there. I make it a point. I sit there, I read those emails. I don't do it on my phone. I don't respond to Slack on my phone. I do it all at my desk. I mean, I might do later in the day, but that initial step is just get into work, Mark. And then those emails trigger the work thoughts, and then the rest of my day is work. Like I'm in work then. Yeah. So I read something that was talking about one of the things you lose when you work from home is the commute. So normally your day is kind of bookended by 
getting to the office and then getting home again, which often can involve some kind of, even if it's just sort of like walking exercise or something, you know, you do get some different kind of, uh, just feels different, doesn't it? And bookends, and you sort of can lose that. So I think that's quite important if there are, even if they seem, because that sounds quite funny, Carmen, when you say they just sit in a different chair. That sounds quite funny when you think about that. But, you know, if that works, then absolutely. One thing I have to say, you know, when, when we talk about finding the space as well, there are lots of people that, especially London, New York, uh, San Francisco and other cities where you just don't have that at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying like dining room table. Some, uh, I just got a dining room table. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you have yeah. a lovely flat, don't <laughs> well, <laughs> you? No, have a nice I dining think, room table yeah, and an office. Yeah. You're doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most people though. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. For people in urban spaces who living in a studio. New York City. <sighs> yeah, I have colleagues who um, are trying to maximize that space in a studio. I feel really bad for, for people in San Francisco too. I mean, you know, the people are living in these small little places and they're stuck in there now. It's, it's, yeah, it's got to be hard if you can't find that space, but you just do whatever you can, anything you can mm. to just, even if you just take the chair and move it to the other end of the side of the room for the day and slide it back again, just do something, change your angle, face it to the window. Yeah. Yeah. Just to just do something to change mm-hmm. it. When the weather gets a bit nicer, if you can open the window even better, or if you have a balcony or a port, like something you can sit out on, that's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, the weather's still a bit. Oh. I think some other things that can help too are just making sure that you set those boundaries and stick to them both ways. Because mm-hmm. like one of the things that always killed me was I could get into work mode, but then I wouldn't switch out of work mode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah it, it's really easy to, to justify too, because you'd be sitting on the couch and you'd be like, oh, it's a work email. Let me check it real quick. And then you're like, oh, it's, it'll take five minutes to respond to. And then that leads to some, you know, again, that leads to all those different things. But it's really not fair to ask your, you know, your family to wait on you whenever you're like to leave you alone when you're working. And then whenever you're supposed to be spending family time, you're like, okay, now I can just yeah. drop everything and go do work instead of hanging out with you guys. Yeah. So like going both ways is a big part of it too, because otherwise you'll just work forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to, to just as you start your day to end it. Mm. And, and that could be, you know, closing down your computer and walking away, not touching it till tomorrow. It could be yeah. something, signing off a of Slack and then just going away. But yeah, you got to end your day. Yeah. A friend of mine has two accounts on their laptop. So they sign into their work account mm. and, you know, have all the work apps and everything set up there. And then they have a different account for their personal stuff. So something like that's quite a nice little virtual boundary, I suppose. Yeah, you can do that just on one computer too, which is quite nice. Yeah. One thing I'll say from um, experience, or as we all adjust to staying at home indefinitely for the coming weeks, is that at the end of the day, stick to that boundary because you may have only gotten four good hours of work, but then you had kid interruptions or you had X, Y, Z, and you if you only had four hours and you resolve to end at, say, 6 p.m., just do it. Be nice to yourself. If you're a team lead or a manager or working, just know that we are going to probably be at a reduced capacity uh, for for some time now because there are problems when you don't set that boundary and you say, well, I only got four hours done. It's six o'clock. I'll make some up now from six to 10 p.m. But that is not good self-care and that's not sending good boundaries. And so things happen. And we just need to be okay with the fact that we have other responsibilities. We're living with other people. Um, society's shutting down. And that's okay for the short term. 
Hi there, this is John Calhoun, one of your GoTime panelists. When I'm not working on GoTime, I create programming courses that help developers level up their Go skills. And one of my more recent courses, Algorithms with Go, is live, and I wanted to invite you to check it out. So it's completely free, and in it we explore how algorithms and data structures work, as well as how to actually implement them in Go code. So if you've ever had an interest in learning about algorithms or data structures, or if you felt like you understand them conceptually but just couldn't nail down that coding part, this course is going to be great for you. We actually dive into coding everything, we work on practice problems, and it's a lot of fun. You can sign up completely free at algorithmswithgo.com slash gotime. Uh, again, that's algorithmswithgo.com slash gotime. And don't forget that last slash gotime bit. It helps me keep track of how you found out about the course so that gotime gets credit for referring you. Thanks for listening. So one of the things when I first started, it took me ages to figure it out. And then I started you know, talking to people more and more about it is when you go to an office, you don't get eight hours of uninterrupted work. Hmm. You don't. You get four, maybe. That's on a good meeting day. Um, you know, between, no, I'm serious, right? Between hmm. people coming to your desk and interruption, you go to the, get the, get a cup of coffee and you're there for 10 minutes, somebody in the hall, that hallway meeting. You'd be surprised how when you add those up over the course of the day, those add up <laughs> to hours in a day. And so if you're at home and you're, you know, don't beat yourself up because you decide you're going to take the dog for a walk in the afternoon for 20 minutes to stretch your leg. You know what? You would have done that to go to the coffee machine and get talk to, you know, Joe at an accounting about his stupid March madness that isn't happening. And you're like, I don't care, Joe. I just want a cup of coffee and you're there for 20 <laughs> minutes. Um, you know, so you know, it's, those things are there. And, you know, especially now where we do have to make time for family, you know, they're no different than the time we'd have to make for our coworkers socially in the office and the other things that just kind of come along with being in the office. So I don't worry anymore about taking breaks. I don't worry anymore about making bread in the afternoon or something like that. You know, I'm thinking, I'm doing work in my head. I'm just mm. away from my desk. And that's okay. I try to do those things when I need that shift of thinking and, and away from my keys. I'll make the bread. I'll take the dog for the walk. I'll go to the grocery store, whatever. So I, I try to work those tasks into those spaces too. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it's a very naive view and people think that you have to just be working solid amounts. Like you have to work eight hours a day, solid, uninterrupted. And, you know, I've worked in situations where, you know, it's office based and sometimes like the the people around you aren't don't necessarily understand the job as in the same way and you know they might not be as technical or just have a different perspective completely and i've had some experiences where they've really valued the sort of the amount of time you're sat looking at the screen and if you measure that as a a way of deciding how productive you're being or how good an employee somebody is, it's really a mistake, I think. You know, focusing on actually what gets delivered and focusing on that because that's the important thing. That shift, and if, especially if you work in a trusted team, that shift can make all the difference. And so things like what time you got started or how long you spent on your little break or whatever, that becomes kind of background noise, really, because it isn't that important. I think there's also probably a correlation between like we've all worked in a place where people check things like Reddit or do other random things as like little breaks. But I think the amount of time you spend doing stuff like that 
changes drastically depending on whether you're in a job where they count the amount of time you're in front of a screen versus like just be as productive as you can be. Because like when I sit down, if I have three hours just to get something done, I don't check Reddit or do all these other things. I sit down and do what I need to do. But if I'm like going to be in an office for eight hours and I know I'm stuck there for eight hours, then, well, it's not like, it's like, okay, I can just throw this in, check this thing, check Twitter, do whatever. You know, it's a lot easier just to slip all that stuff in, allow yourself to get distracted. Yeah. So speaking about the commute then, so Carmen, you, you do both then you, you kind of go to an office every third week and, and you also work at home. So, you know, you can kind of compare really those two things. What do you do with your commute and how long is your commute? And when you work from home, do you think of ring fencing that commute time to put to some dedicated use or is it just blend into the rest of your day? It's for exercise. So my commute is kind of considered my exercise during my New York weeks. It's about, you know, depending on the subway schedule, it could be if I catch all the trains right, about 35 minutes. If I don't, it'll be closer to an hour or if I'm off peak. So I just, you know, when I'm home, I use that time to schedule. It's just a completely different schedule, right? I have a different work schedule when I'm home versus when I'm in the office. Um, someone in the channel asked if anyone plans to offset their work schedule to accommodate and, you know, for the family being home. And my answer is 100% yes. I love to get up very, very early and start my deep work at about 5. Because mm. one, I'm an early morning person. In the person. morning? In the morning because I'm already an early bird. Which time zone is that? <laughs> right. Well, this started when my team was based in Berlin and I was the only one in the New York time zone. And I agreed that in order to collaborate more, we needed to have more chunks of hours where we all were together. And I already really liked, so nobody in my house likes to wake up early. I'm the only one and I already do it to get some space, right? And so this doesn't work for everyone if you're not a an early bird, but I would work from five and then end my workday at one. And that was perfect in my old job. I also manage expectations with my team now and say, listen, my hours are going to be a bit blotchy, um, but I, I want that some of that deep work. And so the first kid, now that none of them are going to school, they don't want to wake up till eight. So for me, five to eight is great deep work time. I mean, I just hit it out of the park. I don't check emails. I don't go to social media. It's just whatever I had set off is my big rock thing to do from the day previous gets done during that time. And it really sets the tone for the rest of my day. So yeah, to answer Matt, that is exactly how I ring around that. And it's just, you know, I just have internalized very differently what a workday looks like when I'm here at the house versus a workday what looks like when I'm in the Google offices in New York City. So my brother has three children and he would walk two of them to the bus. So he did something very similar to what you did where he would get up every morning at five or so. He would get basically one big thing he wanted to get done for that day. He'd start working on it then. And then as soon as the kids were getting ready for school and stuff, he'd walk them down to the bus and, and do that, which would you know interrupt his day. But the way he communicated it to me was basically that it allowed him to make sure he got the most important thing done for the day. And then the rest of the day, if there were distractions, it, it didn't matter quite as much. Right. Mm, right. My wife would take and drop one of our kids off and then go into Boston. Uh, and then I would, then I in the afternoon would go take the dog. We'd go for a huge walk, like an hour long walk, even though the <laughs> school's like six minutes away. Um, but just get a nice big walk in in the afternoon that was nicely scheduled around picking him up. Mm. Um, and so, like that, those things are gone now for a lot of people. Like you know, yeah. and so for me, I'm still trying to keep that time frame if I can, and still keep trying to take him out in the afternoon. Although I found that. 
now that my wife's home, trying to see if we can coordinate a little bit more time in the afternoon for her and I maybe go for a walk. You know, just a little break in the afternoon, which is quite nice. So if you have a spouse or a partner or somebody like that, you can schedule a nice walk in the afternoon, take a break, kids, whatever. Hmm, lovely. You know, nice. walk the dog. Like those are all good things. I know she's turned her morning commute into running. Hmm. She runs half marathons, so she gets up every day and instead of... Yeah. You know, getting up at 5.30 in the morning to go running, she can get up at 6.30 in the morning <laughs> and go running instead. Yeah. That's her big like, this is wonderful. I can get a nice big run in every morning. Yeah. Mark, let me ask you this, mate. Yeah. What do you wear for bed? <laughs> well, you I'm have not- to qualify that for why you're asking the context. Yes, the I'm not sure I'm going to answer that. On the- I'm sure there's a code of conduct violation just waiting on the other side of that question. Uh, just answer the question. It's, in- it's entrapment is what it is. <laughs> okay, fine. It's entrapment. Well, one of the bits of advice you hear a lot is that you should have different clothes to work in. Have you heard this? So they say like, did we-, we didn't talk about this already. No, 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 we didn't. By different clothes, you mean like, I don't have to get up, put on a suit, and work at my desk all day, and then change into jeans in the evening. Well, that depends. Some people do actually do that. My brother does that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So he, right, presumably he doesn't sleep in a suit. He might. Yeah, well, then he's not doing that, is he? He's very conservative. (laughs) Then he's working in his pajamas, which is what they say you shouldn't do. And I don't know how I feel about this one. Yeah. What do you think? I think it just depends on the person. Like, Mm. figure out what works for you. I mean, I said this before we got on air, but I don't sleep in pajamas. But I own a bunch Mm. of pajamas that when I wake up in the morning, I put them on because it's cold in my house. Mm. And I will go out and I'll make my coffee. I'll go downstairs, I'll get on my computer, and I'll answer work emails, and I'll do a couple things like that. And I don't shower for like the first couple hours of the day because I tend to go out and exercise in the afternoon. Somewhere around lunchtime is when I like to go out and exercise. So... A lot of people are, you know, think that's weird because, you know, if I hop on a video call or something, they're like, you clearly woke up and didn't shower. <laughs> and like, I, I, I try to limit those calls to just people that are okay with I that. I got that this morning, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but like, to me, that's just part of my routine that works. Like, it's kind of like Mark said, I like to get straight to emails and straight to doing that stuff. You know, I like to do these things. And then eventually when I work out, well, I don't want to shower twice in the day. I don't want to shower in the morning and then work out, get sweaty and then not shower or, you know, shower a second time. So it just makes more sense to do this. And then after I do that, I can put on whatever clothes I want for the rest of the day, you know, do whatever. And I can even like sort of link the rest of my day around that where like if I'm going to go to the grocery store or do that sort of thing, it tends to happen after I've showered and put on some normal clothes, not when I'm sitting around in my pajamas. But that also allows me to sort of, it's almost like my pajamas are my deep thinking work clothes because, you know, like I, I'm clearly not leaving the house at this point. I'm not doing that stuff as much. Mm. I say yeah. clearly, I've definitely left the house in my pajamas and my wife yelled <laughs> at me, but, <laughs> but most of the time. Yeah. No, really, it's about that mental preparation, whatever habit that you need to get into. It could be that you wear your blue pajamas to bed and the green pajamas to work. It's just the point meaning that you're preparing your mind for a work mindset. And it's the same trick as I sit in this spot for the small dining table for work and this spot to eat meals. So it's, again, boundaries, separating the psychic space of this is the home where I try to relax and unwind from work, but also where I now have to work. Now, the one thing I will say is slippers are 100% allowed. 
Oh, yes. I'm so happy. <laughs> and highly encouraged. Yeah. I totally love that these are what I wear all the time. I'm showing it. Yeah. I've got some Ugg slippers <laughs> that are just, like, I got them a couple Christmases ago and they're yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Cozy so. house slippers are definitely oh, yeah. probably top five perks of working from home. <laughs> Invest in some nice quality slippers. <laughs> That'll be like all the links for the show is just referral links for slippers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> What's the brand you use? <laughs> you know what? Let's actually talk about comfort because that is important. Office chair. Mm. Oh, yeah. If you can, if you have the space and you have the ability to get a nice office chair, yeah. you absolutely should. I've gone through a couple different chairs now and I, I have a steel case chair now, which I absolutely yeah. love. I got a Herman Miller maybe six or seven years ago. Ooh, fancy. It was like a low end, <laughs> but it was the first nice chair I had ever actually splurged on and didn't just go to Staples and buy the hundred dollar like executive model, <laughs> right? Like this was a nice chair. And I remember saying to my wife, I was like, oh, I can't believe how much I spent on that Herman Miller. And she's like, Mark, you sit in it 40 hours a week. Yeah. Mm. Like that's a justifiable purchase. Like of all the random junk you buy, yeah. Yeah. a nice chair and a good desk are okay things to purchase. Like, yeah, all the Easter Island heads that you bought. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. I have, Absolutely I have a full not. collection, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. The one that was just broken. Uh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> my, my heart goes out to them. You know, yeah. and this is one of those things people are probably asking, should I make that kind of investment um, with an unclear amount of time that I'm going to be at home before returning to the office? I don't know if that's the answer, but if this is going to be more than four, five or six weeks, <laughs> your back will thank you if you have the means and the space to invest in a chair. Yeah. I use this GT racing chair. I'm showing people in the Zoom chat, but <laughs> gamer chairs are made for this kind of stuff. They're made for people who are in it looking for at a, a screen time. for a very long time. So I, I got a racing chair for Christmas as a gift and it was the best. You code with one of those steering wheels as well, which is, <laughs> I think, amazing. It, it also yeah. has multiple cup holders, which is amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So I have a Herman Miller in my desk, like it for work. So I've definitely spent money on a more expensive one because I use it so much. But upstairs at our dining room table, we actually have um, Costco sells a, an office chair that's like, I think, $150 in that ballpark. And it's not quite as nice as the Herman Miller, but it probably gets you 90% of the way there with ergonomics and everything. And I would highly suggest if you're looking for a cheaper option to go look there, you know, where all the Herman Millers and those ones can be 600 plus, that one will be like 150 or something. Mm. And it's a decent option to check. And then even as far as space goes, my wife and I keep an office chair at our dining room table. Like mm. it's just one of the chairs there. And while we both don't like to work at the dining room table all the time, there are times where like, I need to go up and watch my daughter while my wife goes and does something and I can sit there and work. And it's still, again, like that separation is still slightly there, even though I'm slightly in dad mode. Nice tips. Yeah. One of the things about being in an office is you tend to get up and walk around a lot more than when you're working at home. So I mm. think that has to be a bit of a conscious thing you do as well. Even if you do have a Herman chair, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, so excuses to kind of get up and walk about, I think, are also probably quite important. Get a glass of water every hour. Yeah. Or get a dog. Or get, well, a dog definitely helps. Yeah. Dogs are awesome for this. For the first time, I got my very first dog just over a year ago, and it's changed my life, and I can't believe I've worked from home so all this time without a dog. Huh. Oh. Like, my dog will literally, if I'm in my office too long, he'll come over and start nudging me with his nose. 
Really? So like, even if he just has to go to the bathroom or something, yeah. it makes me get up. But then on top of that, I like every day I'm like, I can't skip the walk today because he needs a walk too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he needs to go outside. Yeah. That's great. They're great excuses for walks, for entertainment. Just like I talk to my dog, like, you know, I talk, mm, he's my great. rubber duck. Mm. <laughs> I'll oh, that's talk great. to him about code, Is that right? another pet? Is that another yeah. one of your pets, Mark? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take him for a little swim in the bath. So I have this watch that, you know, if you can't have pets in your building or your house, if it's not allowable, I just have a watch and I just set it to, if it, if you detect no motion for 60 minutes, beep. And I hate it sometimes, <laughs> especially when you're in deep work. Mm. And it doesn't have a setting where you can say, only notify me between these hours of the day. It's just any motion. So I sometimes turn it off. But it's a nice way to, um, or maybe you use a browser, like a browser or a Chrome add-on um, that can say, get up now. That's also an op- option to get you up and out and walking around. If you have an Apple Watch, they... They do that. They ping you. Oh, yeah. Just to, to try to get your stand goals. So that, I know that's one of the things my wife and I, yeah. we now always see who gets the, their rings first, right? Uh, so with the rings on our, on our watches help us make sure we get enough activity, movement, and stand up standing during the day, right? It's, yeah. you know, and that's really nice. And you can see that and it encourages you. It pings you during the day. That's nice. I'm sure Android watches do similar things if you can enable those if you don't have those things enabled definitely enable them they'll ping you they encourage you they want you to do things it's quite nice nice. you can also do like what the pomodoro or Mm. whatever however you pronounce that the pomodoro Pomodoro, and and all those things i know every lots of other people use those too and use them effectively it's just not what i personally use yeah yeah i need something a little less manual yeah (laughs) and that's one of the things i like about the apple watch is it's kind of it's all automatic it just yells at you and you're like, fine, I'll stand up. I'll go get a glass of water now. You know, like I finished this water. I'll go get another one. <laughs> oh, and related to that, don't like get a really big glass of water. Like I used to get this really big mug to bring down <laughs> so I wouldn't have to go refill it. And I basically found that having a smaller glass that forces me to go refill it is useful. Yeah. This is a brilliant episode. Don't have a big glass of water. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but. I mean it. I love it. But you're supposed to drink a lot of water generally. It gets you up and then it also, you know, gets you to the bathroom, which is another thing that gets you out of your desk. So <laughs> I, these things sound silly, but when you've been doing this for a long time, you, these are tricks that you do learn. These are like, John is speaking the truth. I know what he's talking about. Yeah, I, yeah. I switched to a smaller glass years ago too, for the same reason. I just can't wait for them to take that clip and put it on Twitter as the promo for the show. <laughs> just, just drink great. a glass of water. Don't have it too big. People are going to imagine us with these like tiny, like Winn-Dixie plastic cups that you get like just to rinse your mouth out or something. <laughs> the little, little dentist <laughs> rinse and spit. Yeah. Well, actually, standing up for calls and walking around while you're on calls is mm-hmm. if you can, you know, if you're not yep. demoing or anything like that. Yeah. Little excuses like that to, to be active, I think is important. It's definitely something that I try and do consciously. Hmm. Yeah, pace around your room. You yeah, know. I personally find also that's quite a good way to think as well if, you, if you've got a particular problem that you want to work on in your brain. You know, that's what th- I'm going to stand up right now. So now I know why I pace every time I'm on the phone and my wife yells at me for it. <laughs> yells at you for what? Tiny glasses of water? Like I walk or I pace anytime I'm on the phone. And I think it comes mm. from, you know, sitting around. So when I get a chance to do it, I do it. And whenever I'm on my phone, my wife will be like, you can sit down. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like I stand all day. I also yeah. have to tell people this all the time when I go places when they're like, yeah. sit, sit down. And I'm like, yeah. no, I stand or I sit a lot through the day. I'm fine yeah. standing. Yeah. It's rude, isn't it? Almost. 
I was at a, a elderly relative's house and they were like, oh, sit down. Cause it's rude for them to not kind of invite you to sit down. So it, but then uh, it got flipped on its head and just became, I was the rude one for not wanting to sit down. So I just sat down. Yeah. But that doesn't surprise anybody. What? That I'm the rude one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you did ask me when I wore to bed. So I, I, I think I'm justified in my criticism today, Matthew. <laughs> you two are great. So I guess that can lead to another subject here. How do you uh, communicate differently when you're remote? How do you not ask people what do you wear to bed in a weird way? <laughs> yeah, don't ask it in a weird way. You can ask it in a totally appropriate workplace way. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we see you in the video chat walking through Victoria's Secret, it's probably not an appropriate time to ask. <laughs> so... One of the things that's happening is that we are no longer having in-person communication. And Mm. so on reflecting what makes in-person communication superior to what would be the next level down video chat, then superior to text is things like being able to see each other and read the room, right? So look for emotions. Right now I'm in Zoom with you and I see Mark nodding his head, Matt nodding his head, John nodding his head. We all have a shared understanding because of the facial expressions and body language that you've given me that you have understood what I've said. Same thing for emotions. We communicate far more than just our words. We communicate our tone, our intent, our values, how we feel about things. And that is what uh, creates bonding and shared understanding in the team. And so one of the things that uh, Pontus in the chat said, if we go from in-person meetings to chat rooms, Uh, people have a tendency to turn off their video and just do audio. And I think now is the time when we want to say that's not the best thing if we want to continue connecting. And so put your video on and keep it on. And, you know, there are different communication platforms that allow for larger groups for us to see everyone at the time. Unfortunately, Google Hangouts is not a good one, right? They have a limit of five where you can see people in a grid. And then maybe eight in a sidebar. Zoom is a little bit better, but you have to pay for that. So there's just trade-offs to all the different platforms. But if you can, try to see each other's faces. Try to look for emotions and body language and shared understanding. And also just to see other people and stay connected in um, uncertain times. Yeah, we, we mentioned this to everybody who comes on GoTime. In Zoom, we use Zoom just so we can see each other when we're recording. And there's a gallery view where instead of just seeing whoever's currently talking, it shows you everybody in a grid. And that does so much to help with communication because if somebody wants to talk, they can raise their hand or you see that they're trying to talk. There's a million different ways that you can non-verbally communicate that you want to say something. And you can tell when a guest doesn't have that on because they won't notice some of this stuff happening. So it's, it's definitely something to keep in mind and to check out. And that's what well, I think that's what you're talking about, Carmen, with Google Hangouts caps at like five ish. Yeah. And, you know, I work at Google um, and I know that this is a thing they're trying to figure out. But when we think about the coming months and keeping teams from breaking down in communication, but also connection, I think that more than often, more than ever, we need more and more video chats and they need to be intentional. So Mm. talking about ground rules um, and also setting up. So one of the things that we've set up is a snack room, right? A a room that's open 24-7 and just like you would go to the water cooler down the hall or whatever, we have cafes and micro kitchens at Google. This is a thing that's open 24-7. If you feel lonely, if you feel isolated, go to this room. 
And so I'll typically go in and there's a, one person, two people, three people. And the agreement is as long as you're logged into that space, you can social chat. And sometimes some of us just mute at their video and audio, but they want maybe this background so that they don't feel so alone. So that's a mm -hmm. thing that you can do, whether you want to do it free with Hangouts or if you have paid Zoom or have another video chatting platform, that's one step that you can take to continue to build rapport and connection with your team. And don't skip your daily stand-ups either. Yeah, well, related to that, one of the best remote atmospheres I had was one where it was completely normal to just message somebody and say, my dog wants me to get up right now. I see his chat. What a weird uh, thing to message wagging. somebody. But okay. Oh, his, I see his tail wagging. It's so cute. <laughs> anyway, continue. Anyway, it was, it's very normal to just message somebody and say, do you have a minute? And to jump on a video chat. Mm. And like, this wasn't a put it on my calendar. It wasn't, you know, as long as they could, obviously. And oftentimes these video chats were maybe three minutes. It'd be like, hey, can you look at this thing? Cover it. But it really helped simulate that just walking up to somebody's desk and asking a question type thing. And I mean, you want to try to not interrupt everybody's workday and let them get productive stuff done. But having these, you know, quick video chats is completely okay. Video chat doesn't have to be something that's scheduled on a calendar and takes 15 minutes and all this other stuff. It can just be a look at this real quick with me, walk through it, make sure it makes sense. Because sometimes that can save you 20 minutes of, you know, trying to write up an email explaining what the heck you're trying to think and everything else. Yeah. But on top of that, just that communication and just, you know, having a little bit of banter or something can can help and brighten up your whole day. Does anyone have a rule of thumb for that? Like, when do you, how much time should you put in a thing as you start to write it before you say, you know what, this would just probably be a lot easier on video? Or do you have some sort of like... For me, it, it's more um, like if I'm in Slack and I'm already going back and forth with somebody about something, I'm trying to ask them questions and going, you know, client or whatever, and I'll just be like... Do you have five minutes? We can just jump on a chat right now. And it, like, you'd be surprised how quick those really co complicated conversations in Slack go to like, oh, sorry. Yeah. So we were in violent agreement then. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> and then the call's over. It's like, just feel free to do it. And tools like Slack have video capability already built yeah. in. So you can start that conversation right then and there. Yeah. This is also a big part of why I think being willing and ready to jump onto an actual video chat rather than just audio is is still useful when you're working from home. Like it's it's one of those things where I feel like people who work from home more frequently are more willing to jump on video chats and actually have video on, whereas somebody who does it once or twice a week or something like that is less likely to do it because it's kind of the exception for them. But when you do it a lot, you kind of realize that being able to jump on a video chat is is very useful. And I know sometimes like I said I wouldn't shower until the afternoon, but I just kind of got over that. And I'm like, I worked with people that were okay with it. So yeah. it's fine. And I know that I'm also a white guy. So <laughs> I probably have some privilege there, but hopefully it's not too bad for everybody. More importantly, I can't smell you from here. So I really <laughs> don't care if you've showered or not. It's another advantage to remote work. <laughs> yeah. Smelling. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I, I love the, the flip side of this is... One of the things that I've seen this used before for before is is actually like surveillance of the team and things and mandating oh. that everyone has to have the video on all day and things like this. Ooh. It can get a little bit uh it's not great. And actually I think if you if you feel like you have to have that kind of supervision or surveillance on the team, That's I think there's feels probably like. deeper deeper problems though, aren't there, than in that team. Yeah. But the other thing is the flip side of what you were all talking about is actually exploring and 
enhancing our asynchronous communication skills as well. You know, in open source, Mark, you probably never ask someone to just jump on a quick call. Uh, you know, <laughs> tend, open source projects tend to be yes, do. <laughs> asynchronous. And there's real value if you can do things asynchronously because suddenly you actually remove the need for you to even be online at the same time. And so, yeah, it's in some situations that those skills are going to be good to have. And I think generally that's a good idea anyway, because it falls into that whole not wanting to interrupt people. You know, if you can mm. have that, resolve that thing, whatever it is, asynchronously, that's probably great because, I mean, you, you can lose out, of course, if you only do that. You lose out then on the social stuff, having the random channels or being able to kind of socialize and have a bit of uh, a rapport, as you've said, is, yeah. I think is important. But yeah, async communication and is a kind of a perk in some ways of remote work. What are some of the async communication tips that you, I mean, I'm just asking around, that you found invaluable over the years? Well, I think what happens is you learn little things uh, of etiquette for a start. So, you, you know, you get, I've heard this thing on, said on Twitter where they say, like, don't just reach out with someone and say, oh, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Don't just say that. Hi, Matt. And then write your, it's from a film. I just realized I'm not going to bother getting into it. But I'm sorry, the phrase, hi, Mark, is from oh, a Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it's from several. <laughs> okay. Could be. I don't know. I'm not IMDb. <laughs> yeah. So actually that, it's like your first message is kind of an interruption payload and you're going to drop it on somebody. So make it a good one. Make it contain all the bits you need. If it's a question you're asking, you know, oh, hi, Mark. And then ask the question and then press enter. And you're not, you know, Mark's then not on the other end waiting for you to write that first thing. That actually turns out to be very useful. But there's other communication skills. And I think it is a skill of being able to write and communicate through that way. Write something and leave it and it stands on its own. And usually that involves kind of preempting questions and things sometimes. But I think, mm -hmm. you know, when you're talking with async, first of all, patience is a virtue, <laughs> mm. right? Because that response might not come back immediately. It might be hours for now. Well, if it does come back immediately, then it's not async, is it? Well, could God. be. Oh, could be. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Anywho. Hey, I think that's from a <laughs> I film. I mean that. that you I think that's from a film, Matt. That's from loads of films. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I should know. Um, but no, so the other thing is, I, I would say, don't wait till you're blocked to try to reach out to somebody. Um, mm. because that's the worst time for both you and them. Mm. Um, try to get those questions out earlier if you can to give them time to get back to you before you get super blocked. I also try to find that I'm like, okay, I have a question, it, whether it's a super blocker or just kind of a, I need a question, I just need some more guidance or whatever. I'll put it out there and then I'll try to find another task to move on to. So, you know, I, that that has now become async to me. I'm waiting for <laughs> the call back to come back on that one. So I'm <laughs> going to go uh, and run this Go routine over here, which is now doing my taxes or whatever, so fixing another bug, whatever that thing is while I wait for that routine to <laughs> send a message back down the channel that it's ready to, <laughs> to unblock me there. Sorry, I had to pull in a little go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Legally, we had to talk about Go for. Look, we already had orchestration <laughs> pop up briefly. That was in the pre-show, I think, wasn't it? Uh, I hope so. Uh, I think it was in the show. Oh, either way, <laughs> somebody I forget who mentioned on Twitter that another thing with like remote work and doing the async stuff is that because you don't have these like, you don't really get the tone as much. So just assume that everything that's written to you has a smiley emoji afterwards. 
mm-hmm. is a great way to make remote work better. And I would actually, I'd love to see a study done on like text written by people remote versus not, because I feel like they use emojis a lot more hmm. just as a byproduct. I think I have a link. I'll have to find it. But I did read an article about that. I use emojis all the time. Yeah. As I say, when you work remote, you have to, because it's like, I don't want them to think that I'm writing one sentence to be mean. It's, it's I'm busy. So here's mm. my one sentence, smiley. I write these emails or Slack stuff, or t- and I feel like I'm putting a happy face at the end of every sentence most of the time. That's because great. I, I don't want people to feel like I'm trying to be mean. I'm just like, this is just, I'm letting you know I'm okay with all this. I'm just, this is just an explanation. Here's a smiley face to prove it. <laughs> I'm not upset. Here's a smiley. I'm just yeah. being terse in my communications. <laughs> and you know, Russ Cox, who actually said that in a, like a 2015 keynote and that I tend to get terse when I'm pressed for time and people interpret that terseness as rudeness or impatience, or they want to interpret something because it's all done in text. And so emojis typically help mitigate that. But I had a request from a colleague about three or four years ago. He asked something, he was my manager and I just put, okay. And he said, I have a request when you're writing okay to me in text, I need you to add either an exclamation mark or a question would look something because I can interpret it in my head as okay, or okay, or okay, or okay, exactly. So yeah, like suspicious, then, okay. Exactly, exactly. And I just love that when he felt um, like enough to be able to ask that. So as team members, be okay to ask, you know, for your, these little quirks of yours. The other thing that was a masterclass, a masterclass in like async text communication, I said something. And the person wrote back and said, I can interpret what you just said in three different ways. And they took the time to say how those were interpreted. And then I realized, oh, my goodness, I was not clear at all. And I want it to be the second way. Now, that takes more time. Of course, you can always jump on a call. But I thought that was great for the benefit of everybody else who was going to see that in the room. And then it helped me really think about. So in terms of interpreting in good faith, not just emojis, if you're unclear, try to broaden the perspective and say, mm. I, I could take it this way or I could take it this way and or just be say, well, I don't know how to interpret the comment, it, you know, and just be able to do that because behind each piece of communication is, you know, both what is said, but also maybe if, if there's frustration behind what's being said or if there's agreement behind what's being said and that gets lost. An old speaker trick works really well here, which is to repeat the question. Oh, like, you know, as speakers know this, you, you repeat the question from the audience because, you know, they don't have a microphone half the time and just to, so that people hear it. But it's also to clarify the question. Do you paraphrase right? when you re-ask? So, yeah. So people, you know, like at a conference or even in Slack, whatever it is, if there's a question that's, you know, ambiguous or I don't fully understand it, I'll just say, okay, so just to be clear, I, I, I think what you're asking me is blah 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 and and but by doing that it, it clarifies everybody because they all of a sudden they go no 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 that's not at all what i was trying to say or exactly that it's a hundred percent right you got it and then everybody's on the same page it's an old trick but it works that's really great well. yeah and it's that sort of stuff that really are the skills that help you be effective at asynchronous communication it is about that thinking about clarity the first time and things and it's right. kind of difficult thing. And of course, you need the sort of patience, but leads me to think about uh, another kind of demographic that we work with, which is kind of new developers or junior developers that were currently maybe in teams getting mentorship or uh, learning by osmosis with the more senior people. They 
potentially stand to lose out quite a lot from remote working, don't they? Yeah. Like I'm very openly against junior developers working remotely if they can avoid it. And like not to be mean or anything, like obviously if you have to, that's fine. But I say that because I feel like working remotely is just a whole unique skill set to learn. Plus there's the developer skill set to learn and just trying to get all of that down at once, plus not having the just sort of learning by osmosis type thing just makes it harder. I spent the first half of my career working in an office under mentorship of some amazing developers. And I I can't imagine trying to become a developer without that mentorship and without those experiences. I will say how I was able to rise up as a junior remotely And it was because we got really creative with terminal sharing. And in the very beginning, I, so think about things like teammate, teamux, biobu. Um, I just had the senior devs help come in and drive, right? A teammate has a great one where everyone can see my terminal and they can help set up things. They'll see what I type in the command line, right? I think VS Code and Golan, everybody has remote editing things. So that's one way. Right, pair programming, but not just pair programming. It's seeing exactly what is being typed mm-hmm. into that terminal by that junior and say, okay, this is what you're doing wrong. Or this is, you know, you maybe set up your workspace wrong or, oh, you didn't set your path, right? They can help troubleshoot. And it's a lot more intense and sort of work heavy, but that's exactly what happens when you're in an office, right? They can look at your screen and ask you to type X command and what do you see? And so I would say, you know, we use teammates.io. I heavily recommend it. It's a fork of TMAC and it allows for read-only if you don't want to be, you know, putting in commands into the person's, but also write to help drive. And that might help. It's very uh, high touch for the mentor-mentee, but that's how I learned. I had a client a few years ago who did all of their work on a shared EC2 instance and everybody paired and you everybody would log into the same EC2 instance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you would, you know, get over Zoom or whatever, but yeah. everybody's in the EC2 instance, SSHing in, and one yeah. of you is driving and you're using Tmux so you can see the other person's driving right there in your terminal and stuff like that. So virtual pair programming is mm. not only doable, I highly encourage it. Yeah, it's yeah. my preferred way. David and I, we work like that. We work remotely entirely. We screen share all day whenever we're working, uh, which isn't all day. Uh, and I don't think should be, by the way. It's a whole different uh, episode. But uh, yeah, it's that. And you learn little tricks from from just by seeing things. Like sometimes I'll see something happening and I don't know how he's done that. And it's, you know, I just ask him and it's usually some keyboard shortcut or something that I then get to learn. So it is a great way of having that osmosis of the information, isn't it? I think Carmen has to go. Yeah, I'm saying goodbye to everyone. I wish you all. I have, it's the top of the hour for me, and I'm another meeting. Speaking of increased frequency of meetings for remote, <laughs> I have to go live it now. Um, bye, have everyone. fun with that. <laughs> bye, bye, Carmen. Bye, Carmen. Oh, so that's what happens sometimes. People have to go. I feel like with with Carmen gone, that that might be the end of the show. Oh, that that's really nice of you to say, mate. I suppose we're getting there. Can I get one more tip in here that we... Oh, absolutely. As long as Matt doesn't. Go on. So when we were talking about communication, another thing that I've noticed that works well for me is when you're writing like a lengthier email, Hmm. it's easy for people to miss questions that you really need answered or something. And like you were talking about, you know, paraphrasing or rephrasing the question. Even when I'm writing my own emails, I'll find that I'll... If you take the questions that are really important and separate them from a paragraph on their own line and like sometimes even make them bold, Hmm. that really tends to help 
sending out these asynchronous communications. So then somebody can glance at this and quickly see like, okay, there's two bold questions. That's the meat of this email. The rest of it's just all like qualifying. To that point, that also do similar things too. I don't do the bold, but I break the questions out because it also gives people an opportunity and a space to answer the question in line. Yes. So it just makes all that easy. They see the question, then there's a space and they can just jump in there and they can answer it. And that works for everybody. So say, I feel like when you write emails this way, you kind of get used to this. I don't want them to miss these questions. Here they are. Make them very clear. And that allows asynchronous communication to happen a little bit more effectively because you don't have to actually, oh, well, you didn't actually answer my question. You know, now this email is going to bounce back two or three more times and take even longer. Yeah, I would say, I would also say that for even full-timers, I'd probably say go out and read a book on consulting because um, I think there's a lot of things that you can take from the consulting world into the remote working from home world. And I, we've been talking about a lot of those things and, and a lot of them come down to communication and clarity because um, as a consultant, you don't want to be <laughs> on calls 24 hours a day. You, you, know, you just want to get the work done um, and do it well. So you tend to come up with these things that allow you to do the work really, really well, at, you know, quickly and efficiently and, and move on. And I, so I think there's a lot of stuff that we can learn. People can learn just from that lifestyle. Yeah, same for open source, actually. Open source is remote working. And look what things have been built with open source. It really is possible. Um, I personally love remote working. And I don't think I will ever go back to work in an office. I never know what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I feel like for me, it's the preferred way to work. It's how I can be most productive. Sometimes if I've had to go to an office, I tend to do it on days when I don't have much work to do, which is kind of bonkers, really, but it's true. I'll stay home if I've got some serious work, work to do. Which is kind <laughs> it's of the, the only place to get work done. Yeah, for me, but yes, everyone's different, I suppose. Well, I think that indeed is our time. We've got some very interesting shows coming up, so keep subscribing or... I don't know what you do. Click on the link below. Yeah, that's it. They always say that. Yeah. So click on the link below. Yeah, Booty num- shoes. <laughs> oh, boy. Number no. five. Number five is going to blow your socks off. <laughs> exactly. The number five remote working chip is going yes. to blow your mind. If that's so good, make it number one, I think. But, <laughs> right. well, what do I know? I'll save the best for last. Number, f- number five is wear slippers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a good one, though, to be fair. <laughs> I didn't expect that to come out. Nor, nor the tiny <laughs> glasses of water. The tiny glass of water is a little... In I the mean, micro kitchen. What, what do you expect from the, uh, the insane dentist? <laughs> Since I started working from home, I've bought way more slippers than I ever thought I would. <laughs> just because I worth like I have these ones that are like yeah. they look like sleeping bag material that are just really nice and warm for my feet mm-hmm. but they wear out in about a year when you wear them every day right so my wife's like why are you ordering more of these I'm like I love these things like <laughs> I wear them every day I'm gonna buy more I got a really nice pair of Uggs and they even have they have a lovely like outdoor tread on them so if I need to like run outside to the car to say, embarrass whatever, yourself like, to embarrass myself <laughs> at least you know you can and trust me I, you know about a month ago i was running through slushing them chasing the dog down the street because he got out so oh yes <laughs> let me just say that if i wear my slippers outside they're no longer slippers for inside fair enough my wife yeah. is very strict about these things oh wow okay well there we go We've got some amazing shows coming up, by the way. Next week, uh, we're talking about chaos conferencing. Uh, we've got Natalie Pistolovich and Rona Steinberg to talk about GoBridge and oh, Rona, conferences. Lovely. Yes. And also, uh, later, we've got Matt Heath and Tom Wilkie to talk about monoliths versus microservices. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, and real-time communication as well, which is another thing that 
part of this, I suppose, is uh, quite important. But it's the more the tech side of this. You know, it's the WebRTC, those kinds of technologies and stuff. So it's cool. But if anyone's got any other ideas, tweet us. Um, Mark, what's your Twitter? Mark Bates. John, what's your Twitter? John Calhoun. No H in the John. No H in the John. And mine's Matt Ryer. M-A-T-R-Y-E-R. No H in that either. No H in mine. No, no John. And no, no John in mine, in mine either. It's, we're, no all John. A, we're all H I mean, there's free. an H in Calhoun is my mm. problem, so that makes it really... Oh, you can't just say no H. I can't. Yeah, that's oh. not good. It doesn't work. It must be so difficult being you sometimes, John. It's terrible. But... <laughs> Uh, yes well so that's it that's our show thank you very much Uh, we'll see you next week thank you for listening to go time if you can't get enough of the working from home discussion we have new episodes of brain science and js party on the topic subscribe to our master feed and you'll get every episode we ship right there in your podcast app head to changelog.com slash master or just search changelog master feed in your favorite directory you'll find us. This episode was hosted by Matt Ryer with help from John Calhoun, Carmen Ando, and Mark Bates. It was produced by Jared Santo with music provided by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Thanks to our awesome sponsors for supporting the show. Fastly, Linode, and Rollbar, we appreciate you more than you know. If you and your organization would benefit from speaking directly into the ears of the Gopher community, you should sponsor GoTime. Podcast advertising works, especially when you're talking directly to your tribe. Plus, you get that warm and fuzzy feeling of supporting something you love. Head to changelog.com slash sponsor to learn more. We would love to work with you. That's all for now. We'll talk to you next week. And welcome to Go Time. Today, we're talking about working from home, remote working. Uh, we're going to have some, uh, hopefully, some reassurances for those of you that are new to working from home. There might be also some tips and tricks that you can pick up and we're going to uh, discuss. And hopefully, we'll just have a nice, lovely chat as well, which is always the goal. So, hello to everybody else that's on the podcast today, which is is I'll tell you what, let me start again because that was the worst <laughs> one I've ever done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's Aww. the worst one I've ever done. Okay. All right, I'll do it again. Don't worry, everyone. That's a um, special DVD extra that you get for free for listening live. The gag reel. Yeah. What? The gag reel. Oh, I thought you said something else. Hello and welcome to... Oh, no, you can't do what? Halfway through the <laughs> intro, Mark. Well, you, what else could it have been? Okay, never mind. I'll email you later. <laughs> okay. Hello, and welcome to Go Time. I'm Matt Raya. Today, we're talking about working from home or remote working.